Recorded by The Way in Brea. Lead pastor Von Jarrett has a heart for the people at The Way and a desire to reach the lost. The Way's production department prays this message is a blessing to you and that you find yourself closer to God through application. stuff that's happening and I remember really learning how to wash your hands how you have to actually scrub both hands you got to wash the back side of your hands then you got to rub your nails into your hand to get the soap underneath your nails then you got to lather them up real good and then you're supposed to like actually squeeze each finger and I started doing that for a while and it takes literally three four or five minutes to really wash your hands right I thought it was interesting you know that antibacterial part where it says uh, you got to leave it on there for at least two minutes or it doesn't even work at all and I think it's really a reflection of, of some of the things we talk about with the Lord as far as knowing how it works, knowing what it's supposed to do, going a little bit deeper into how we get cleansed and how water is not enough that we need that soap. I want to share, uh, that's actually the title of our series, is Soap, a Clean Series for a Dirty World. A Clean Series for a Dirty World. Our theme scripture is going to be Psalm chapter 51, verse 7. It says, purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. What a scripture, huh? So this series is going to be about evangelism. It's going to be about bringing people to church and it's going to be about making disciples. I feel like God has been focusing our church on for a long time, really, on the these, those who are actually in the church, these group of people right here, right, that come in and encouraging them, strengthening them, and not just in our last series about planting, right, planting something in your life. For, I would say, for the last couple of years, we've really been looking at developing leaders and ministry leaders and teams, right, so that people can actually do a good job of blessing the people that come into this place, right? We don't want you just to come into this place and hear a message and go on about your business. We want you to be changed. We want you to be transformed. In order to do that, people have to grow. People have to learn. People have to be developed in order to be able to minister to those that God would bring into this place. We've never lost our heart uh, for evangelism, but I think our focus has been on uh, really building strength within the church. We want the church to be a place where people can come and, uh, and be ministered to. But I believe what God wants to do now is shift our focus onto the highways and the byways. Shift our focus onto the people who are outside, who are still hurting, who are still lost, who are still drowning in their sin, who are still uh, uh, burdened by their sin. It's, it's, it's not godly, if you ask me, to be in the warmth and in the peace and in the love of the Lord and to watch people dying without doing anything about it. I feel like... Uh, the real church that God desires is a church that holds both those things in tension, right? How can, how can we come in for the these and bless them and grow them and, and encourage them and help them, but also have a significant focus on the those who are outside and go out and get them and go out and tell them the truth about the Lord and how to be saved and how to be changed, how to be cleansed, how to be transformed, right? I think that a church that is doing both of those things with all that they have is a, is a spirit-filled church, 
Luke chapter 14, verse 23, it says, Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. Isn't that the word of the Lord? Go out into the highways and the byways and compel them. Don't just say, I want you to come to my church. Compel them to come to the church. I remember what it was like when I was unsaved and I wanted to go and do something. I would go tell my friends and I would compel them. I wouldn't say, hey, let's go to the club. I would compel them, you got to go, we got to go. Have you ever been this place before? Come with me, I'll pay for you to get in. You remember we used to compel people to do things? But when it comes to church, we'd be like, hey, would you like to come to my church? No, it's okay, then don't worry about it. (laughs) Compel them, he says, that his house would be filled. So listen, I don't want you to think that this series is only going to be about sidewalk sanctuary and turning everybody into bullhorn preachers. At the end of service, everybody gets a bullhorn and we're going out to the streets. (laughs) Some of you have that gift and some of you have that calling and God blesses it. So I hope that through this series, you will be encouraged, right? You will leave people behind in the dust to go do what God has called you to do. But I'm really hoping that everybody here will have an understanding that we're all called to populate heaven. What if you just lead one person to Christ? Some of you will lead a classmate. Some of you will... Lead your kids to the Lord. During worship right now, I was thinking about all the different people that I tried to lead, all the different men that I tried to, to direct, and how many men just, just won't follow. They'll do what they want to do, how they want to do it, when they want to do it, regardless of what I have to say to them. And then I watched my boys come to the front of the service, grab their arms around my legs, and they worshiped because Daddy was worshiping. And they sang out, and God told me, don't worry about those that don't want to follow. You focus on those who do want to follow, men, women, and children. What if I lead my kids to the Lord? What about you young people that can lead your parents to the Lord that don't know know Jesus, don't know salvation? The Lord doesn't say that uh, that the kids can't lead the parents. Some of us who are already grown have, have older parents who are not going to heaven right now. And we're sitting here basking in his glory. Our coworkers, some of us will lead our best friends, some of us will lead our spouses. I, I was reading and, and uh, came across the scriptures that say, hey, if you're already married to an unbeliever, number one, that's your own fault. You shouldn't have done that. <laughs> but it says if you're already there and you're already married to them, how do you know that you won't be the one to lead them to the Lord? Serve God with everything you have that you would be able to lead them into salvation. Some of us, it might be acquaintances. Right? We're going to go out to Sidewalk Sanctuary. And there's been times where people have, have actually said, you know, I, I've, I've been wanting to get close to the Lord. And being able to explain that to them and pray with them and lead them to the Lord right there. Somebody you just met as an acquaintance. In Matthew chapter 14, verse 18, Jesus said, bring them here to me. Amen. It's probably one of my favorite statements that, that Jesus makes. At this time, he was talking about there's all these thousands of people that need to eat. And this, this boy has these loaves and these fish. And he says, bring them here to me because he's going to multiply them, right? And he's going to give them out and feed all these people. But, but I've learned that it's, it's honestly what Jesus says most of the time. You got a problem? Bring it here to me. Yes. You've got anger? Bring it here to me. Amen. You've got an issue with friends or family? Bring it here to me. And one area that I, that I know he says this consistently is for the unsaved. He says, bring them here to me. Don't worry about having to preach it to them. Don't worry about having to teach them. Don't worry about trying to convince them. Don't worry about trying to make them do the right thing. He just says, bring them here to me. I can do all those things. All the things that you can do, bring them here to me. See, I think we're all evangelists to some degree because we have to do the bringing. And I think God wants to make us better bringers. You've been coming to church yourself for for a long time. You've been doing what you need to do, but we got to be better bringers. Why is it that nobody's following us? Why is it that nobody's dependent upon you to help them go in the right direction? So today after service, you heard Gary announce it. We're going to be doing Sidewalk Sanctuary in the neighborhood here. Then uh, later on this month, on July 26th, we're going to be going out. And uh, I thought about this as we start this series. I want to challenge uh, everybody here today. You're not here by chance. (laughs) I want to challenge you to make at least one of them. If you can, make both of them. Rearrange your plans. Is God worthy of rearranging some plans? Amen. So I'm going to challenge you, and I'm not even joking about it. I want you to come with us today. I want you to come on the 26th, and I want you to apply faith to what it is that you're going to be hearing. If you come just to hear another message, then listen to it on CD and stay home. 
But if you come to be changed and transformed by God, you have to obligate yourself. You have to challenge yourself, right? Some people had a whole series of planting for a whole month and they have nothing to show for it because they didn't plant anything in their own lives. And then other people can get up and put up a picture and say, this is growing in my backyard. Another wife sent me a picture of her husband after the, the series where uh, the service where we said God is, is looking for gardeners. On that Monday, she sent me a picture of her husband out raking dirt. It wasn't even grass. It was straight dirt <laughs> because he was applying the things that, that he had heard and learned. Application. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2, the Bible says, The word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. You can hear the word, but if you don't mix it with faith, it will not profit you. So, no pulling punches. Is anybody willing to commit right now to being at at least one of those outreaches this month? There's today and there's a 26. Who would commit right now and say, I'm going to mix it with faith? What I hear, I'm going to mix. Amen. Amen. I see you guys. Jesus says this in Revelation 21.5. He who sat on the throne said, behold, I make all things new. If that's not you, he can make you new. If you don't care about the lost enough to risk a little bit of yourself, he can make that new. He can strengthen you. He can prepare you. It'll be the greatest thing you ever did with your life. You could, you could change the world in so many different ways, but the only thing that will matter is people who go to heaven at the end. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you in advance for this series. We thank you for soap. We thank you for cleansing. We thank you for making us your conduit, Lord. You could have done it on your own, but you've chosen to partner with us. You are perfect. You are holy. You can save souls any way that you see fit. And you say that you would partner with men and women, Lord, who have issues, who have drama, who have uh, real problems in our lives. And you say that you will use the foolish things to confound the wise, Lord. Who are we that you would partner with us? Who are we that you would say, I give you the keys to the kingdom, Lord. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven, Lord God. What a great and awesome calling, Lord. You said go into all the world and make disciples. You did not say go into buildings and hug one another and be comfortable and shield yourself from the world. You said go out and be exposed. You said that we would be martyred. You said that we would be mocked. You said that we would have struggles and trials and tribulations. You prepared us for a war and for a battle, Lord, not security and safety, Lord God. Let your will be done. When we pray these prayers, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done. Let us not change our will for your will. Let these not just be words that we say, Lord, but a heart that is broken for what breaks your heart, Lord God. Let us look at every individual, no matter what walk of life that they come from, and let us see the worth and the value that you've placed in them, Lord God. Let us not let people die in their sins when they don't have to, Lord. Let us be a mouthpiece for you. Let us be hands for you. Let us be your feet that go walking to those who are in need, Lord God. Help us to sacrifice and surrender. We heard about a woman that gave the last of her livelihood, Lord. She didn't do that, Lord, so that the church could look a little bit nicer, Lord. She did that so that the word could continue to go forth, that lives would be changed with a little bit that she had to give, Lord. Have your way over this time. Have your way over this whole series, Lord God. Let it truly create in us a clean heart. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, amen. amen. All right. So I, I want to start off with uh, a little demonstration <laughs> for you guys. What kind of soap do you guys use at home? Caress. caress. Well, that commercial got you, huh? I know that Caress commercial. <laughs> that ain't real. Don't feel like that at home. So we got Caress, Joy, Dawn. What else? Dove. Old Spice, Irish Springs. Uh, what is it? Lever 2000. Oil of Olay. You got that expensive stuff. We'll use that great value at the house. So a couple things about, about soap. The first is that soap is dense and consistent throughout. <clears throat> Anybody ever notice that? How dense it is, how solid it is, right? I, I think I got one I could break. 
right? <clears throat> so it's consistent throughout. If you get a bar of soap, right, some of the more expensive ones, like this is the cheap one, this is ivory, uh, but it's still dense and it's still solid throughout. If you get one of the, the stronger or, or more expensive ones, you can't even break it like that because it's so solid, it's so strong that you have to use a knife if you wanted to, to cut it in half. Another thing about soap is if, it, <clears throat> if it's dirty, all that it needs is to be rinsed, right? So I could take this soap and I could mix it around in this, this dirt up here, right? Who wants it? <laughs> wants to wash with this, right? I think there's some bugs and some other stuff living in here, right? So it's dirty, right? But how do you wash soap? <laughs> do you get some more soap to, to rub up against this one and it's going to make it clean? No, once you, you put it in water, right? Rub it around, and all it needs is water and a little bit of rubbing. Like it said in that video, right? You can't get clean just by water and rubbing around, but soap can. It has cleansing within itself. Amen? Amen. Here's another thing. Soap never takes on the characteristics of the dirt that it's involved in, Amen. right? It never gets inside the soap. It only stays on the surface. The soap isn't changed into dirt. But what happens to the dirt? The dirt begins to take on the characteristics of the soap. It always cleanses. That's what it does. It doesn't take on the characteristics of that which it rubs up against. It changes everything that it rubs up against. Amen. What about you in your life? Do you take on the characteristics of those people that you rub up against? Or are you an agent for change? Are you like soap that everybody you come into contact with, they may be filthy, but if you rubbed up against them right here, there's a clean spot because you don't take on their characteristics, they take on yours. Amen. Another thing about soap. Soap has only one goal in mind, and it's to bring cleansing. The Bible says that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. How many goals do you really have? What are you really trying to accomplish? Soap says, I am soap. I bring cleansing. I don't do other things. <laughs> I don't have other uses. All I want to do is bring cleansing to anything that I can, whenever I can. And finally, soap provides cleansing by giving of itself, right? You ever notice that about soap? Like, it gets smaller and smaller. It keeps giving cleansing every time you take a shower, every time you come to the sink, right? But if all of us were to come up here, we could all get our hands clean, right? You can get a nice little lather. Let me do it like, like I told you I learned in my class. You can get a nice little lather. It smells good. And then you go on about your business, right? Get under those nails. I'm teaching you the class. You guys, I had to go for three hours. You guys can learn in 30 seconds right now, <laughs> right? Get that real clean, get under those nails. And I told you you're supposed to do all this right here, right? Rub each finger, do all that stuff. Rinse it off really good. But what happens to that bar of soap? It gets smaller and smaller and smaller, right? And then you're in the shower, and it's got that one little piece, and it breaks, and you get mad, and you throw it, right? We have like 80 of those in our house, those little pieces of soap that we feel like they're too small, but they still want to clean, right? It's like, what is it good for? You've got to clean something. Mary told me that her mom used to throw them in the washer. I'm scared to break my washer, but she said she threw those little ones because it still had cleaning power, right? Of all the things I preach today, you're going to say, throw those in the washer. That's the one thing you want to remember. RJ and Isaiah, can you come take all this stuff for me, please? <clears throat> so this idea of, of soap, it's willing to die. It's literally willing to disappear in order to, to provide cleaning, right? That's kind of the, the story that God is telling with our lives, is that we need to be cleansed, we need to be like soap, and then we need to give of ourselves in order for others to be cleansed, in order for others to be healed. So for week number one of our soap series, this message is titled, Sincerely Subjective. Sincerely Subjective. And I'm going to share from... Uh, 1 John chapter 1, as we begin here, and then we'll get that, that uh, picture back up there. Sincerely subjective. 1 John chapter 1, verse 1 says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled, concerning the word of life, the life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was in the Father and was manifested to us, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us. 
And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Say cleanse. Cleanse. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So as we look at soap during this month of July and during this series, and our focus is on bringing others into contact with God who cleanses the soul and the conscience conscience from all traces of sin. Imagine a God that can do that. (laughs) What that scripture says is he cleanses from all traces of sin. Physical, emotional, mental, internally, there's no trace of sin when God cleanses. So what is this idea of being sincerely subjective? Put that picture back up for us. So what it means to be sincere is to be genuine, to be real, to be transparent, or to be honest. That's what it means to be sincere. Are you real? Are you genuine? Are you transparent? And are you honest? What it means to be subjective is to be based on or influenced by personal feelings, taste, or opinions. That's subjectivity. Based on or influenced by a personal feeling, taste, or opinion. So this is what it means if you put them together to be sincerely subjective. Tell the true story of your experience with God. Be real, be genuine, be honest, be transparent, but make it subjective, which means it's based on your emotions, your feelings, your experience. Don't tell somebody else's story. That's a lie. And don't make up a story that's not true. God is good enough to just be true. What he's done in your life is good enough. It's a miracle. (laughs) Be sincerely subjective. I'm going to break this this, uh, portion of scripture, this uh, chapter, into three sections. I'm going to look at just the first three verses again with you. And I want you to listen for some sincere subjectivity. The writer says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and our hands have handled, concerning the word of life, the life was manifested and we seen and bear witness. And we declare it to you, that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. That's verse 1 through 3. This is called a testimony, right? This is the testimony of the washed speaking to the dirty. This is the testimony of the saved speaking to the unsaved. Listen to the words that they're saying. We've seen with our own eyes. Not come to church because we heard that Jesus is real. I've seen him. You see the difference? They say we've seen with our own eyes. We looked upon him. Our hands have handled him. And the life was manifested. What it means to be manifested means to be made real, to to come into sight. They said the life, right? In in, uh, John uh, chapter 1. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. The life was actually manifested and made real to them, the source of life. Then they say, we've seen, we bear bear witness, and we declare to you. That's sincere subjectivity. That's the, the part of their testimony where they're not just talking about a theory. They're not just talking about a church. They're not just talking about how they feel. They're saying, hey, I saw him. When's the last time you went up to somebody and said, hey, have I ever told you about when I met Jesus? Not when I heard him preached about not when I, when I saw a good testimony or heard a good message or saw a good example. No, no, no. I'm talking about when I actually saw He was manifest to me. He was not real before that, and he's real now because I've seen him. I love when they say this, I've handled him. How many of you have handled Jesus? 
You know, Thomas came in, he said, I'm not going to believe until I see him. And Jesus did what he said. These are the holes in my hand. Put your finger here. This is the hole in my side. Put your hand there. Handle me. Yes. Are Christians handling Jesus? Can you talk to somebody about what he feels like? The texture of his hands. Amen. When, he, when he wraps his arm around you. I want my kids to be able to talk about more than when my dad wrapped his arms around me and he lifted up his voice to worship. I want them to be able to say the same thing about when they wrapped their arm around Jesus and what he felt like, what he smelled like. Just like the woman that reached out and touched the hem of his garment. Imagine the story she could tell. Can you tell a story? Or are all we going to talk about is church? See, we can only testify about that which we've experienced. And everyone's experience with God is unique. That's what makes it subjective. Amen. No two stories are the same. They, sh they should not be the same. I've learned that many experiences are similar, but, but none of them are exactly the same. I love hearing about what it was like when somebody met Jesus. Can I say, oh, that was like when I met Jesus. That's kind of what it felt like to me, but it's never the exact same thing. Last week, we talked about running somebody else's race. How many of us are giving somebody else's testimony? This happens all the time in our family where Mary will tell a story and then somebody will be like, hey, Mary, that's my story. <laughs> you tell it really good and it's like it happened to you, but that's not your story. That's my story. <laughs> that's because Mary gets all into people and all into their stuff and like, you know, she, she feels it deeply. But that's not the same with, with Jesus. Jesus doesn't want you to tell somebody else's story. Jesus doesn't want you to, to manufacture emotions. Right? Just because somebody else really felt that doesn't mean you felt that. <laughs> if you go out to dinner and two people order the same meal, they can both say, hey, I liked it, right? But each of them really means something completely different. If you ask a man, hey, how was it? Oh, I liked it. What does he mean? I went in hungry and I came out. I wasn't hungry anymore. <laughs> that was it. I liked it. If you, if you maybe ask a woman, she's going to talk about the waiter or the waitress and how long it took and was it hot enough or too hot or too cold or was it like the pesto she tasted somewhere else. Like when she says she liked it, it means something completely different. If you ask a chef who, who goes and gets an Italian meal, they're going to talk differently than your average person that swung by Olive Garden, right? They both enjoy the meal, but what the chef describes is completely different. They talk about the ingredients, right? They talk about where on the planet these ingredients came from. Then they, they can taste how it was actually made. Was this fried or was this, was this cooked together? Was it baked? And they say, hey, if you, if you bake it first, then it does this when you actually taste it. But if you, like, like one thing that, that Mary does, I'm putting all our business out there, babe. One thing that she does, like when we make spaghetti, she'll, she'll cook the, the noodles and then she'll strain them, right? And then she'll leave them separate and, and heat up the sauce. And then she'll put the noodles on the plate and then the sauce on top. And I'm like, babe, I don't like it like that. And she's like, why? I said, you got to mix it all together and let it sit there for like three or four hours so the noodles get all that sauce soaked into them, right? So we could all be talking about spaghetti and say, I like it. I mean, I like it. I love it when she cooks, right? But we mean something different, and we taste something different. And depending on how much time you've spent with the food and in preparation, you know why you're tasting what you taste. As Christians, when we talk about salvation to the world, most of us say it's good. And we wonder why nobody's lives are changed. <laughs> and we wonder why nobody's like, man, I can't wait to go where you go. I can't wait to hear more about that message. I can't wait to hear more about that Jesus. Because all they hear is we had spaghetti. And they're like, I've had spaghetti before. And it didn't change my life. So unless you got something new to tell me about this spaghetti that you're eating, go ahead and keep your church. Amen. Yep. We have to make it clear this ain't no regular meal. This ain't your mama's spaghetti. This is the bread of life we're talking about. Your sincerely subjective expression of what you've experienced when you came to Jesus and how he washed away your sins is so important. It has to be sincere. It has to be subjective. It has to be intimate. It has to be personal. And it's important. Somebody else's story is not going to change anybody's life that you know. Not one single person. You're just going to be frustrated that people don't want to follow you and don't want to go to church and don't want to be washed and don't want to be cleansed. 
No matter who we are, if you've met Jesus, this is what we say. We've seen with our eyes. We've looked upon him. Our hands have handled. The life was manifested, and we've seen and bear witness. We're all saying the same thing, but most of us just say it was good. Why do you go to church? It feels good. Why do you like worship? Because it makes me feel good. What, what, is, what has God done in your life? Well, I was bad, and now I'm good. We have to express it like a chef. And in order to do that, you have to go deep into what you've experienced. You need to spend some time thinking about it. Spend some time meditating upon it. Spend some time going back to where he found you. Right? We used to sing a song that says, uh, I think it was, Your mercy found me upon the broken road. How many of you even remember what it was like when he found you out there? Jacked up and tore up, strung out, without friends, demon-possessed, anxious, Losing your mind, trying to hurt yourself, trying to commit suicide. We don't even remember, like, that's the chef. That's what we need to be telling people about. Not come to my church, it feels good and everybody's nice there. What are you talking about? He cleanses. He washes. He changes. He transforms. And not only does he do those things, let me tell you about how he did that to me. My story. Sincerely subjective. See, when some people got washed, they were like the babies on the top, right? If that's your story, tell it, oh, I came in and he just washed me, and the water felt so nice and warm. I remember when I grew up, we took baths in the sink, right? So I was in the sink. But if your story's like the baby on the bottom where it was like, man, this sucks. It was hard. They were scrubbing on me and and washing stuff off of me and God was doing things that I didn't want him to do and I did not like it one bit. Then tell that story. Don't lie to people. Your story has value if it's sincere. If you're transparent, if it's real, tell people. I remember what my washing and cleansing was like as if it was yesterday. The initial washing away of my sin from my heart was so sweet. It was so encouraging. I remember what it felt like. I went into, it was a second service. I didn't know Jesus, didn't like Jesus. I was loaded a couple nights before getting high in the parking lot with my brother. And this particular Sunday, like every other Sunday, I wasn't thinking about Jesus. All I was thinking about was trying to get into Mary's pants. And she said, if you don't come to church, you can't even hang out with me. So that's where I was in my life, right? And I remember going into this service, and next thing you know, I'm crying at the altar, and and God is just moving. And I physically felt burdens come off of me. Like, I didn't even know I was carrying sin until it got lifted off of me. And then it came off of me, and it was so sweet. It was so encouraging. I was like, oh, God, is this what these other people are experiencing? No wonder they come. They're not chasing girls and chasing boys and, and running. Like, you're real. He, he was made manifest to me. I never knew that God was real until that day. Amen. And I felt it come off of me, and it was so sweet. And then the next day, when God started to wash my mind, it was the most difficult scrubbing and cleansing and it didn't last for a day it lasted for months and years that initial washing of the heart was so sweet and then he brought out like the the brillo pad scrubber and was like let me see that mind of yours let me deal with that pornography let me deal with that lust and perversion let me deal with all the years of smoking that dope let me deal with all the decisions you made with people for the last 23 years of your life. Oh, we got some scrubbing to do. Then I was like the baby on the bottom, like, let me out of here. But then I kept thinking about what happened to my heart. And then I come back to get scrubbed again. Amen. And then I'd be getting scrubbed and I could see people like looking at you and laughing at you. Amen. It was horrendous. Now, for the most part, I'm in the shower of selfishness. Where God is like, oh, I'm still scrubbing you. You're selfish. And you know what makes it harder? Is when there's like people in the church like, oh, you're so selfless and you do so much for us and you're such a blessing. Because then I could just kind of creep into that and be like, hey, I'm cool. God, look, they they think I'm selfless. (laughs) And he's like, no, man, I see everything. Come over here. Get in this shower, boy. (laughs) And it hurts. Hebrews 12, 11 says this. No chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but it's painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. See, I know the scriptures. 
I don't get back in that shower for you guys. I don't get back into that shower because I want to feel better about myself. I believe what the scriptures say. What the scriptures say is it hurts and it sucks, right? And, and the soap's getting in your eyes and God is washing your mouth out with soap and you're, you're subjecting yourself to it. Nobody's forcing you to do that. You have to go in there and say, wash my mouth out with soap. Amen. <laughs> Let it get in my eyes so I can see clearly. And what we do as a church is we're trying to push people in that get in there, be washed. As soon as they get in, we turn around like, oh, they're in there, and then they just duck out the other end. Because until you subject yourself to that, right, until it's really real, and then you can tell people, hey, listen, I don't care what they told you. You're going to feel good the first couple of times, and then it's going to suck for a while. Don't quit. Keep getting washed. Amen. See, that's sincerely subjective. Tell your story. There's another church for fake folks. That's what it felt like on the outside for me. But on the inside, I would compare it to dialysis. Anybody know anybody that's been through dialysis? So for me on the inside, it felt like God came in and he put a new heart inside of me, right? So we, we read the scriptures. We, we read Psalm, the theme scripture says, create in me a clean heart, oh God. So I feel like God ripped my heart open. He said, Ugh, get rid of that junk. It's all jacked up and tore it, put a new one in there. And then he closed me up. Right? But all this old blood was still pumping through my body. So this old blood would come into the new heart, and then it would get pumped back out to these arms, and they'd be doing things that are not godly. <laughs> and my feet would be going places that God doesn't want me to go. And I'm like, why is this happening? And then on Wednesday, I would come in, and I'd worship the king. And he'd say, dialysis. He'd, he'd open me up again, and, and he'd put some good blood in, and he'd take some bad blood out. And then I'd go back, and I'd be like, man, Lord, that, that was good, but now I'm still doing some of the same things. And on Sunday, I'd be back, and I'd worship the king. And he'd open me up again, and he'd hook me up, and he'd say, a little bit more of that bad blood out, a little bit more of this good blood in. And then after maybe a decade, there's more good blood than there's bad blood. And he says, but I'm not done. Amen. Keep coming. Keep worshiping. We don't need to see you here. We don't need your couple of dollars here. What you need is dialysis. What you need is cleansing. What you need is washing. That's why we come into this place. And not only for us, so that we reflect him when we go out. Yes. Hebrews 9.14 says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? See, the more you're in the presence of God, the more you're in the word of God, the more that you come and engage in prayer. Like some people look like, why show up at 845 to spend an hour praying before a service? Why show up on a Friday night to pray in the spirit? Right? Why actually read your Bible throughout the weeks? Isn't it cool just to show up and hear a message? Isn't it cool to get on the app and listen to a message? You know, get a little devotional where you read from time to time. No, you got to be submerged into the things of God. You got to be washed and cleansed and scrubbed. And if you're honest with yourself, how, how much good is one shower a week? <laughs> Let's be real about it. Unless you were already pretty clean, that ain't going to help very much. I'm a two shower a day guy. Just walking through life, I sweat. <laughs> I don't have to be doing anything, but I'm going to sweat. I got to have at least two showers. My spiritual life is so much more funky and filthy. I got to be washed all the time. Amen. And I remember what it was like to feel like I was coming in here and just getting washed with the love of God and the presence of God and then going back out to the filth. Not only from other people, it was my own filth I was going back to. The Bible talks about you going back to your vomit like a dog. How many of us want to be sincerely subjective when we talk to people about that? We love to look all clean and nice after two, three, five, 10, 15 years in the church, and then we act like we don't remember where we came from because we haven't told the story in too long. Let's go on from verse 3. It says, That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. Verse 4, And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. This is the message which we have heard from him and we declare to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie. And we do not practice the truth. 
But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. I love this part. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. That means he's dense like soap. <laughs> right? Listen, God is light and in him is no darkness. We have darkness still in us. <laughs> if you break us apart, you're going to see some things that you don't want to see. You're going to know some things that you don't want people to know. With God, he was literally broken for us, and it was nothing but light, nothing but love, nothing but purity, nothing but holiness. All the way through and through, he's good. Amen. He's the only one like that. You don't know anybody good. You don't know anybody holy. You don't know anybody righteous. We can put a certain amount of trust and faith in one another, but we're going to consistently fail each other. I'm trying to be the best that I can for Mary, and I suck sometimes. <laughs> but God's not like that. He's holy and righteous and perfect all the time, every single day. Amen. When you are convinced of the goodness of God, there's a peace and a rest that you enter into where you may be unsure of yourself, you may be unsure of people, you may be unsure of what you're going through and how it's going to unfold. Some of you are going through some things right now, and I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't know how it's going to unfold. It might be bad. It might be terrible. You might suffer loss. You might be in a worse place than you've ever been before. But if you understand that he is light and in him is no darkness, that he is good and he is holy and he's righteous, and no matter what happens, he's going to be good, you'll be all right. Amen. That's what it talks about, a peace that surpasses understanding, not because our lives get perfect, but because we know the perfect one. We're telling the wrong story. Read this story, and all you find is people that are jacked up and tore up. You see Jesus watching a lady give the last of what she has, and the rest of the people outside are saying, if God was real, she wouldn't be in that situation. She wouldn't be in that circumstances. God would meet her needs. She must be a sinner. The same thing that they said to Job. You're going through this because you don't love God. And here's God saying, I love you, and you love me. Just deal with it. You're going to be all right. God saying, hey, look at this lady. She gave the last that she had. That's what we all need to be like. Well, Jesus, are you going to help her? Are you bless her. You're going to give her stuff. You're going to make everything perfect for her. No, we're going to go tell other people about me because she obviously already knows. Amen. Somebody told me the other day, you need to be more encouraging. No, man, damn that. Go talk to Joel Osteen. He'll encourage the heck out of you. I'm going to tell you the truth. Amen. <laughs> I'm going to tell you the truth so you can be washed and you can be cleansed and that you can help other people be washed and be cleansed. I don't want to feel good all the time. I want to feel like Jesus. Amen. I want to be unsure of myself and other people, but be sure of Jesus. Amen. I don't want to be told that I have the power within me to change my circumstances. No, I have the grace of God within me to endure them. That's the love that we're supposed to be testifying about. And that's the love that we need to be telling people to come and encounter with sincere subjectivity. See, our walking in that light, rather than the darkness of this life, it has everything to do with your ability to be cleansed. If you want to be cleansed, you've got to walk in that light. If you want to see other people be cleansed, you have to be walking in that light. How are you going to walk in darkness and tell people, follow me? <laughs> This is John chapter 3, verse 18. Speaking of the Lord, it says, He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. After these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea, and there he remained with them and baptized. See, this is the dense truth of Jesus. Confessing of the light recognizing who he is, running from the darkness and running to the light, letting him wash you and cleanse you, walking in that light, and then being baptized, going all in. Right? You just go further and further and deeper with God. Amen. Let him cleanse you. Let him wash you. Jesus is telling them, listen, 
If you confess me, if you follow me, if you recognize the light that has been shined in your life and you go towards it, you're not condemned. But if you stay in that darkness and you practice it, listen, we all sin. We all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but we also know what practicing evil is. If you're still doing the same things over and over, day in, day out, you're still running around doing things that you know you should not be involved in, that's called practicing sin. And there's no light in you. If you wake up and you say, today I'm not having it, I'm calling somebody for prayer, I'm calling somebody for help, I'm letting the truth be known that this is what I'm involved in, and I want to fight against it and I need help, that's not practicing darkness and evil, that's walking in the light and trying to walk in the light. And he says, if you will do that, you will, you will flow into baptism. Let me wash you. Let me submerge you in this thing. I love what Gary had to say as he led us and he prayed during our, our announcement this morning. Man, something's got to happen. We got to go all in. We got to be washed. We need the spirit to do something that we can't do on our own. You can go get self-help anywhere. There's a book called The Secret. Go buy it. Learn The Secret. Everybody knows it. There's somebody that can tell you these five points to having your life change. How to lead like successful leaders. I go to the bookstore, I see these books, I'm just like, no, no, no. But the principles hold true. I guarantee if you read some of those things and you do what it says, some good things are going to happen in your life. But it's not the same as what the Bible says, is there are things that only the Spirit of God can do. There are areas that have to be cleansed by the washing of the Word. And full submersion. None of that one foot in, one foot out, stick a toe in. Lord, let's see how you do with this area of my life. And if you do good with that area of my life, well, then I might give you a little bit more of me. That ain't how it works. But just in case any of us think that we're already perfect, just in case you were saying to yourself right now, you know what, I'm doing pretty good. I'm feeling pretty clean and and fresh. Zestful, that's the one we miss, zestfully clean. I'm feeling zestfully clean. Smell me, smell me. In case that's you, there's always going to be traces of our old nature, and we can't ignore them, right? Amen. You ain't that clean. <laughs> this is how that, that scripture in 1 John chapter 1 ends with verse 8. He says, but if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. <laughs> And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. If you begin to act like you don't stink, if you begin to act like you're holy and righteous and you never do anything wrong, we need to wake up every morning and say, Lord, it's only been a day, but here's, here's the highlights that I know of. I know you saw some other stuff I wasn't even paying attention to, but I did this, I said that, I felt this way, Amen. right? I'm angry with this person. Again, I love how Gary said, hey, before you take communion, you better forgive some people, Amen. right? That's saying to God, if I say that I have no sin, I'm a liar and your word is not in me. We could have leaders in the church that say, hey, everybody's good in here, and we know you, and, and you're perfect. Come and receive of the Lord. No, nah, but you know what the scripture says? If you have something against your brother, you go out there, you make it right with your brother, and then you come take communion. Because this is not my physical and actual body and blood, but it is a representation of the fact that I live inside of you. And if I live inside of you, how can you carry unforgiveness for people? Amen. How can you not confess your sins? Amen. If my spirit's inside of you, it's saying, why is that there when I'm here to cleanse? Until we get to heaven, there's going to be reminders of our old nature. There's going to be this ongoing cleansing of love and the forgiveness of Jesus that we need to, that we need to submit to. I don't want you to use that scripture as an excuse to remain in your sins, right? When people hear that, I hate when Christians say this. Forgive me, I'm just trying to keep it real today. I hate when Christians say, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No, what you're saying is, I want to sin and then depend on grace. I want to keep doing what I'm doing, keep acting how I'm acting, keep justifying my unforgiveness, keep pretending as if there's nothing wrong with me, because the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible also said that we need to be conformed into the image of Christ and that every day we should be getting closer to being like him. You can't just remain in your sins, right? Got a picture for you. Put that next one up. This is uh, Lysol. It says here, 
that what Lysol will do is cleanse 99.99% of viruses and bacteria. That's your goal with the Lord, is when you die and you get ready to go to heaven, you want to be 99.99% cleansed. Some of us are still in like the 30s or the 40s, and I'll, I'll say that's me too. And we every day, I'm just a sinner saved by grace, so I could say like this, no, be cleansed, be washed, keep changing, keep being transformed, keep allowing God to do something in your life. Until you feel like you're at 99.99%, there's more work that the Lord can do. It's a thorough cleansing that he wants to do in our lives. And at the very end, when you get your new body and your new mind, and you're no longer any sin in you, and there's no longer any sinners around you, well, then you'll be 100%. Until then, there's work to do. Most of us come into church, and we pray for other people to be changed. <laughs> That's crazy. Lord, she's right next to me again. <laughs> and you and I both know what she needs. And I'm just standing on your promises that you would change her, that you would change her heart, that evilness that's in her. What are you talking about? <laughs> Our prayer list for ourselves should not allow any time to be praying for other people to be changed. Amen. It happens to me as your pastor. I start thinking about you guys, and then I'm like, Lord, let me stop. You and I both know that this is what you want to work on in my life. And if I spend too much time thinking about that person and their issues, I'm going to be all jacked up and dirty and filthy, and they're going to be cleansed. <laughs> Romans 8.29 says, For whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that his son might be the firstborn among many brethren. What God is doing is conforming you into the image of the son. Do you look like Jesus? Do you talk like Jesus? Do you smell like Jesus? Do you love like Jesus? Do you forgive like Jesus? Do you help like Jesus? Do you sacrifice like Jesus? Be washed. Be cleansed. I'm going to bring this to a close. John 13, 3. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and he was going to God, he rose from supper, he laid aside his garments, he took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. His own clothes, he's, he's washing their feet and, and drying them. Jesus answered, or excuse me, then he came to Simon Peter and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet. But he is completely clean, and you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore he said, you are not clean. Or you are not all clean. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. See, the disciples had already put their faith in Jesus, the saving faith that, that caused them to walk away from their old lives and to follow this man for three years. This is at the end of that. They already put their faith in him, right? But this is what Jesus says. Even though I've cleansed your heart and I've saved you, there's more cleansing that needs to take place. He says, sit down right here. Let me see those dirty feet. Let me wash them for you. What he's saying is, you're still just a mere man. You're still just a mere woman. And walking in this world, you are going to get some things on you. Your own stuff and other people's stuff. And he says, this is a daily cleansing that has to happen to you. Paul says, I die daily. We should say, I wash daily. <laughs> He said it was connected to their salvation. He says, listen, if I don't wash you, then I don't have no part with you. A lot of Christians just want that heart part, 
where you feel like that's happened, right? And, and, and your sins have been forgiven, but you don't want that other part of the washing and the scrubbing. Jesus says they're connected. I got I to gotta heal you and cleanse your heart, but I also have to heal you and cleanse your flesh and your mind and every other part of you. He says they're connected. He says, if I don't wash you, then you don't have a real part with me. I think we miss that connection. When you, when you put your faith in Jesus, again, be sincere and true when you tell somebody, say, listen, he will forgive you of all sins. He'll wash you of all unrighteousness. But the evidence that you've received that is that you submit to the shower. Amen. You submit to that ongoing washing and being conformed into his image, that you would look like him and talk like him and love like him. And this is what Jesus says at the end and why our, our, our series is focused on evangelism. He says, if you understand this, you'll do it for other people. He says, if you're not doing this for other people, you must not understand what I've done for you. How could you let the Son of God wash your feet and you won't wash a brother's feet? You won't wash a sister's feet? You won't go out behind 7-Eleven and see if somebody is filthy and you've got soap. Amen. He says, you don't know me if you won't do that. You don't know me if you won't tell your own kids. You don't know me if you won't tell your own parents. You must not understand who I am and what I'm doing if you keep it to yourself. I came out of heaven to wash your feet. Yes. I'm God, the Almighty. Who are you that you're too good to wash feet? Yes. Blessed are you if you do this, he says. So the series says, a clean message for a dirty world. Is it fair to say that they're dirty? If you're sincerely subjective, if you don't act like there's something that you weren't, if you don't act like you're, you're perfect and they're not, if you tell them the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, <laughs> hey man, I was worse than you are. Hey sis, if you only knew what I was doing with my body before I met Jesus, if you only knew the places I used to go and the things I used to say, Soap, be washed, being cleansed. Worship team, why don't you come up here? <clears throat> We're only going to take a minute to pray. You know, Jesus, when he would come into an area, when he called the disciples, it wasn't a discussion. Why don't you guys stand? Jesus didn't uh, pull out a list of all the things that he was going to do. You know what he would say? <laughs> Follow me. And everything was dependent upon the decision that men and women, Bobby, why don't you stand in your seat for just a minute? Everything that men and women would, would risk their whole lives on one simple word from God, follow me. You know, when we get to end of services, I think a lot of times we feel like now we have to convince people of, of what the Lord said. But earlier we heard those that didn't mix the word they heard with faith that had no impact in their life. So I'm looking for those that just want to mix what they've heard with some faith this morning. God may be ministered to you. And we're only going to spend a few minutes, so you've got to move when the Spirit prompts you. The first people I want to pray for are those that their hearts have not been washed. You're still carrying sin. You don't have a moment that you can tell a story of of when you gave your life to Jesus. He, made, he was manifest to you. You said, I want to put my trust in you, my hope in you. I want to be forgiven for everything that I've ever done. And I want to start a new life. The Bible calls it being born again. That's your testimony. If you don't have that testimony, you don't know what it's like to actually be forgiven. You still walk through every day trying not to think about all the things you've done. Wondering if you'll ever be whole again. Here's a story of a man that came to the same moment as you. At the end of Jesus' life, his name was Pilate. He was an authority. And it says this. Pilate said to the group, like a group that was here, what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? And they said to him, let him be crucified. And then Pilate said, why? What evil has he done? But they cried out all the more saying, let him be crucified. And when Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all, but rather that a tumult was rising, he took water and he washed his hands. 
he took water and he washed his hands before the multitude and this is what he said I am innocent of the blood of this just person you see to it and all the people answered and said his blood be on us and on our children then Pilate released Barabbas to them and when he had scourged Jesus he delivered him to be crucified I love this story because I think this is what every life comes down to You've got Jesus on one hand, and you've got all your friends and your family and your schoolmates and everybody else on the other hand, and you're trying to make the right decision about Jesus. You've even said, I like Jesus. He hasn't done anything wrong. But when it really comes down to it, you think you can just wash your hands and say, I didn't do anything to you, Lord. I didn't do anything. I didn't make the wrong decision. These other people are the ones that didn't like you. But it goes on to say that, he scourged them, and he had him crucified. All that matters is the decision you make about Jesus. You're either going to try to wash your own hands of everything you've done and all the sins that you've committed and all the wrong that you've thought, and you're going to try to be a better person, and you just keep washing and keep washing and keep washing. But the disease is on the inside. <laughs> you cannot wash it away. Pilate could not wash away his sins. He made the wrong decision about Jesus. If you're here this morning and you've never made your decision about Jesus, man, let today be the day. He says, if you come to me, your sins are like crimson. They're as red as blood, but I'll make you white as snow. All you have to do is say, forgive me. I'm tired of trying to wash myself. Every Christian in one way or another has had to do that. That's the only way to come into relationship with God. If you've never done that and you want to do that this morning, would you just raise your hand? Most important decision of your life. Make Jesus Lord. Be forgiven. You can't wash yourself. If you've been trying to wash yourself, I'm looking around, I see you. You see me, anybody here. Just raise your hand so I can see you. It's the most important thing in your life, ever in your life. He's the only soap that can wash away sin. You can wash away everything else. You can wash away your memory. Anybody, before we move on, this is your moment. This is your minute. Don't let it pass you by. Hallelujah. Anybody here? Anybody here? Want to be saved? Hallelujah. For those who are here and you're already saved, you've already been cleansed, these are the two prayers I'm going to ask you to come. If you want prayer for your ongoing cleansing, right? Maybe it's still some areas are a deep cleansing and some areas it's just the washing of your feet. But you know that maybe it's been a while since you've been under that water and, you've, and the Lord's had that Brillo pad and there's some scrubbing that needs to happen. If that's you and you want prayer for the, for the strength to get back in that shower with the Lord, would you come forward? I want to pray for you quickly. And if you're here and you want a greater understanding of the cleansing so that you can share with others, friends, family, parents, kids, co-workers, anybody, acquaintances, right? Sincere subjectivity. You want to be able to talk and say more than it was good. If you want God to really reveal some things to you and show you how good it is, show you what the ingredients are, show you what kind of soap he's using, show you the areas that he washed off of your heart, off of your soul, off of your mind that you can express it, would you come? Come quickly. We have just a moment. Hallelujah. Lord, wash us. Lord, wash us. Hallelujah. Oh, there's more scrubbing he wants to do in your lives, guys. I love the honesty. I'm like you guys. Hey, guys, we're going to wait on communion until after the baptism. I'm like you guys. I still got areas that need to be scrubbed. I'm not clean. I'm not holy. I'm not 99.99%. And I recognize that. I guarantee you your honesty, your faithfulness, you being sincere with God will lead to further cleansing in your life and you will lead others to be cleansed. People recognize truth. The Bible says that, that the Lord is true. He says those who he set free are free indeed. The truth will set us free. Those that we love, they don't need to hear a facade. They don't need to see something fake. They don't need to see pretend cleansing where you just spray on a little bit of spray. You do a little bird bath. That's not going to change anybody's life. What will change people's lives is watching you continue to be scrubbed. Watching you continue to submit yourself into that cleansing. You know, the picture God gave me before service today is burn victims. 
They have all these scars and all these scabs and it's literally, it's dead flesh and dead tissue on them. And, and what has to happen, they go into a, a saline solution and it all has to be stripped off of them. It's the most excruciating and painful thing, but when that old dead skin is stripped off of them, new living skin comes onto them. That's the life of a Christian. Don't let anybody convince you of anything else. Your heart is cleansed like Jesus said, but that extra washing, that, that washing of your feet, that coming underneath and submitting and repenting and dying daily, oh, it's a special thing. It can be painful. Oh, but the life that comes after that, think about the stories you're going to tell. <laughs> think about the people who are going to say, man, that's what I need in my life. We're going to worship for just one song. If you need prayer, you can come down here. But Lord, we thank you. We thank you for being the God that cleanses us. That you're willing to give up yourself, Lord. You had to die in order to provide this type of cleansing, Lord. It didn't come easy. Touch your people here, Lord. Provide further cleansing. Wash them and heal them, Jesus. Open their eyes to see what you're doing and how you're doing it. That the pain is worth it. That the ridiculing is worth it. They surrender, they submit unto you, Lord. You're going to bring good things out of this, Lord Jesus. Give them visions of those who will be saved and healed and cleansed because of their faithfulness and their willingness to endure and to suffer. Oh, Lord, there is a, a clean message for a dirty world, Lord God. There's washing that needs to be done. Further the process, Lord. Further the process, Lord. Oh, we surrender, Lord. We surrender, Lord. Our service times are Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.thewaybrea.com or you can download our church app by visiting your app store and searching The Way Brea. Be blessed.